Welcome, welcome to the Jimmy B Sports Show on Power 90.1, featuring Bay Area Sports Insight. Now, here's your host, Jimmy B. Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to the Jimmy B Sports Show. I'm your host, Jim Barron. Today is the 29th of April, the last Saturday of the month. Lots to get to. Nothing more important than the big game tonight with the Lightning as we host the Toronto Maple Leafs in Game 6. We're going to be talking about the draft, who did the Bucks get, who went in the top couple picks, and of course, the NBA playoffs as well. JimmyBSports.com gets you on the show. We'll be right back to kick it off on Power 90.1. If you're struggling to keep up with conversations, avoiding restaurants because you can't understand the waiter, if you've got the TV volume way, way up, then you really need these. These tiny but powerful little hearing aids are the Nano CIC Rechargeable. When you order today, Nano will give you a 45-day money-back guarantee. Order right now and Nano will give you a free portable charging case and even ship them to you for free. Here's the number. Call now. 800-291-2865. That's 800-291-2865. Now, now, back to the show. Back to the Jimmy B Sports Show on Power 90.1. Sports fans, thanks for tuning in to the gymnasium on this Saturday. Today is all about the lightning, right? In about nine hours from now, the puck drops at Amelie. And we go to game six. We're going to see what happens. We were able to survive game five up there in Toronto in enemy territory, four to two. If you watched that game on Thursday night, you saw what I thought was an almost perfect game played by the Lightning. They did what they had to do. They went up there. They took the air out of the arena right after Sorelli scored in the first period. Um, if you look at that game, what surprises me the most was seeing the footage of how loose the Lightning wore before the game started in the locker room. You know, you had Stamkos reading off the, the starting lineup there. You had the music going. They were chest bumping, Vasilevsky. You would think that this was the final game of the Stanley Cup Finals and we were up 3 nothing playing the last game at home. When in fact, we're down three games to one playing an elimination game up there in Toronto. So everyone knew before the series started that it was going to be a long, grueling season, a long, grueling series, I should say. And it has been. The first two games, you now you came out there, the Lightning took the first one, 7-3. to three. The Maple Leafs returned the favor with a 7-2 convincing victory to knock the series up at one apiece. And then it came back to, back to Tampa. And that's when the wheels started to come off the, the Lightning bandwagon. And there are a lot of Lightning fans that thought that we were done after losing Game 3 in overtime of four to three and then to make matters worse we lost game four five to four after blowing a three goal lead halfway through the third period now we can talk about the reasons why we lost we can talk about what happened but one of the things about this team that makes it so special is the belief that they have in each other 
they being the players, and the coaching staff has in the players, and the fact that no matter what happens during the game, they finish the game and they put it behind them and they look forward to the next game until there are no more games left, whether it's the first round of the series or the the Stanley Cup finals. What this team does, you know, you build momentum in different ways, but you build it during the game because what happens in the first period sometimes is meaningless when you look at what's gonna happen in the third period or in overtime or in a penalty kill situation. So it's really going period by period. You can even break it down and say it can go from a half a period. If you look at that game on, I think it was um, Monday night when we got beat five to four, we were up, we were commanding lead, 4-1, to one, going into the third period when uncharacteristically, we came out there and we looked as though we never played a game in our lives. I, I couldn't believe what was going on. I saw the defense was laying back. They weren't uh, getting after the puck in the Leaf zone. It was just like we just wanted to run the clock out and... We did not follow the game plan at all. Now, you know, I said that after watching that game without Cernak playing, with Hedman not being 100%, no one's going to tell me that Point is 100% because he certainly doesn't look like he is. I thought that the scores would start to tighten up after the first two games when they came back, and they did to a point. We went from 7-2, 7-3 to 4-3, 5-4. We have scored enough goals to be winning this series, you know, three games to two or to already have, have it wrapped up if you look at it. But what happens is that we have mental lapses, especially on defense. Now, when I say that we played as well as a game as we could possibly play on the road in the playoffs, and that's something that the coach of Toronto said as well, I'm not saying they didn't make any mistakes because we certainly did. In that first period, our puck handling, or I should say mishandling, was helping the other team to build momentum. But fortunately, we had this guy named Vasilevsky, which so many times on the show stated that if he has to stand on his head to win a game, uh, which he just may have to, then he will. And he did that in the game on Thursday night when we had a win back against the wall. When it's an elimination game, all bets are off. And Fasilevsky, he goes into a different type of zone. And don't forget, I'm sure he's heard everything that was being said about him not playing well in games three and games four Uh, down here in Tampa because obviously he's human he sees what's going on and uh, he takes a lot of pride in his skill and and trade as all the guys do on this team and most guys throughout the league feel the same way but what he did he hit 28 saves um, and the 28 saves that he made I can count at least 12 of those saves where he uh, in previous games they would have gone through but he was able to see the puck much better it seemed off the opponent's stick he was able to make some stops that reminded me of Vasilevsky of of old when we won the back-to-back championships and last year going through the playoffs 
And I was, uh, I for one said after game four, when we're down now three games to one, that it's going to be very difficult to win this series without Cernak. Like I mentioned, no, you don't have Hedman at 100%. You don't have Point at 100%. People need to step up. We needed a couple things to happen. We needed our goaltender to basically go out there and stop everything that came his way, which he did. 28 saves, like I mentioned. Um, but what was more surprising to me was not him stepping up the way he did because he knew he was going to, but the way that the second and third line, the middle six that we have is probably playing as well as we could possibly uh, ask for. So you say to yourself, well, what's what's going on with the top line? Where's Stamkos, Kucherov, um, Point? You know, it's about a team effort. Don't forget, you have the top line in there. You're going against the other team's top line as well. And there's some pretty good talent on the other side there. And you're talking about Morgan Riley and Austin Matthews and Marner and uh, Tavares and all those guys. So they have some talent on that side. And a lot of that stuff just neutralizes each other. Saying that, Kucherov, some great passes uh, when we had to. There weren't many penalties called during the game. I think the refs made a decision to let them play. I do question the call on Maroon at the end of the second period. Uh, you know, there was nothing. That was not a penalty to begin with. The referee was right there. He did not call anything. But the line judge down the on the ice on the board decided to go ahead and and call a two minute penalty for uh, boarding in that situation, which was totally a, a bad call. Fortunately for us, we were able to go out there when we started the third period and um, eliminate, we killed the power play, which um, gave us the momentum that we needed. So when you look at what we did in that game, they came out. Now, we here's who scored for us. Essamont. Now, Michelle Essamont scored for us. Michael Essamont scored for us. Nicholas Paul, Sorelli, and then Killorn got the empty net goal for Tampa at the end. Vasilevsky's very strong between the pipes. I'm concerned a little bit about the number of shots that we were missing because we could have won this game, no, eight to one. The way that we were taking shots, but what we're missing, you know, we, I saw a point, you know, hit the pipe a couple times. I'm seeing shots go wide that I haven't seen before. Stamkos not being able to get one through. Uh, but like I said, it's a team effort. It's a team game. And it's really a series of managing emotions. Like we talked about in other broadcasts, you know, we take away time and space from the other team. And that's what we did in game five uh, this past two days ago. So I think that now, when you look at what we have to do tonight, you know that Toronto's coming out guns blazing tonight. You know that they do not want to go back to Toronto in a must-win seventh game. Now, talking about what's the number, what's the two favorite wards that a sports fan wants to hear? Yes, game seven. And that's what we're definitely hoping for. And I think that if you look at our chances, we have to be able to go out there and 
they'll be able to stave off what they throw at us. They're going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at us in the first period of, of the game tonight. And we have to go out there and we have to make sure that we have bodies being thrown in front of pucks. That's the one thing that we started to do in game five that we hadn't done in the first four games. If you noticed, we weren't getting in front of pucks and Vasilevsky was having a hard time because some people were just screening them. And yes, there were some deflections, but for the most part, uh, we weren't throwing our bodies in front of the pucks. You listen to uh, the interview that Kalorn gave after the game. And he said, you know what, we went into this game and we we're ready to break some bones if we have to get in front of the shots by Toronto. And that's the kind of mentality that these guys have. When you hear him saying something like that, it really um, gives you an idea of the mindset of this team. So we're going to build momentum in different ways. We're going to build momentum by stopping the Leafs when they first come out in the first period. We're going to build momentum with Vasilevsky getting more and more experience in the goal playing against these guys. Now, when I say more experience, he knows all these guys. He knows what their strengths are. You saw the way he blocked um, the Marner's shot when he came down on the breakaway when he got the, the puck at the blue line. Now, no doubt about it, the Vasi was going to stop that one. So, we did everything that we needed to do to build the momentum. So we're going to keep on doing that in this game. And, you know, when I first started, I said the, the lightning in seven games, taking the seventh game up there in Toronto. I have to admit and say after game four, um, I, I was really down on the fact that the team looked so flat in that third period uh, against Toronto when we gave up uh, a four to one lead. So um, yeah, my my um, expectations were a little bit shaken after that game. To be honest with you, watching them come back though and seeing how they went into the game being relaxed enough to go out there and play the game that they had to do. Uh, that game that they had to play to do what they had to do was reassuring enough to me that I expect them to win in the game tonight. And I do expect them to go up there. And in a game seven, anything can happen. The number here is 877-448-7901. Your thoughts. We're going to read a couple emails when we come back. You're listening to the Jimmy B Sports Show on Power 90.1. Pickleball, the fastest growing sport in America. Do you play? Are you looking to transform your game? Well, now it's easier and more fun than ever to take your game to the next level. Introducing the Ernie, the most advanced pickleball training machine in the world. Ernie holds an industry-leading 150 pickleballs, shoots from 10 miles per hour for dinking drills all the way to an amazing 65 miles per hour to work on handling those drives. Ernie is controlled by your smartphone, has 24 pre-programmed drills, and you can even customize your own drill shot sequences the future of pickleball training is here and the ernie team will be hosting demos on this groundbreaking machine all over the state of florida through the month of april want to test it out go to erniepickleballmachine.com for more information that's www.erniepickleballmachine.com and give them a shout to check out this game-changing machine in person train win repeat with ernie now now back to the show back to the jimmy b sports show on power 90.1 
Welcome back, sports friends. You know, Thursday night, the Rays put up 14 runs, and they were the third story of the night. Because, of course, you had the Lightning, which we just talked about. You had the NFL Draft. And then, of course, you had the Rays after that. So it's been a very exciting week as far as sports go. I have an email from Brett from St. Petersburg saying, Jimmy B, watching the Lightning series is nerve-wracking. Why would they fall apart in the third period of Game 4 and then come back in Game 5 as strong as they did? What do you expect for Game 6 tonight? Thanks for the email, Brett. Well, like we talked about, I think that this team puts the game behind them when it's over. Whether they win, whether they lose, they don't dwell on it. They look forward to the next time that they get together as a team and have to play. Quite honestly, we've dominated four out of the five games so far. With the exception of game two, we owned, especially on the five-on-five, we were able to really capitalize and like I said it, it, it could have been over already four games to one the way that we did dominate the play in four out of those five games unfortunately no hockey's a funny game the puck doesn't bounce the way it's supposed to sometimes and you know you don't get the breaks that you think you deserve or that you um, you know want that's why we're on to game six tonight so thanks for the email Brett my prediction like I mentioned in the last segment was that we come out tonight we weather the storm in the beginning and as long as Vasilevsky can hold true in the net I think our chances are very good at forcing a game seven on Monday night again thanks for the email mentioned about the draft you know the 2023 draft was was Thursday night the Carolina Panthers took Alabama quarterback Bryce Young as the number one pick now a lot of you that are following the the draft, I I honestly can't say that I get too into the NFL draft. Uh, it's become more of a, you know, pomp and circumstance type of uh, situation, it seems. I mean, when it takes... When it takes that long for the player to walk from where they're sitting to get to the stage, it's you know just drags on. It starts at seven thirty. By eleven twenty, they still had five or six more uh, picks to go, and you know half of these players you're not going to hear from again, most likely after you know the first year. So you have the second and third rounds taking place. Over the weekend here, there's 259 picks overall. But like we mentioned, it is what it is. You have to follow it. And we're going to talk about the Bucks pick in a second. But uh, Bryce Young, the outstanding quarterback from Alabama, was the number one pick. I kind of thought he was a little bit small as far as uh, in statue. But... Um, I'm not picking him, so you know they think he's going to be a person that's going to you know, help them get to the playoffs, which which he he may be able to do. But you know, like I said, he's only five foot ten, two hundred and four pounds. You look at today's quarterbacks, um, you know there aren't many under six foot. Yeah, Russell Wilson maybe, Kyler Murray, but other than that, you know, more more so than not, you got the big quarterbacks, and I think that, uh, that that may be an issue for him. Just seeing over the offensive and defensive line sometimes is a, a challenge for a quarterback if you're short. But congratulations to him, and let's see what happens. The second pick went to the Houston Texans. They took another quarterback, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. Uh, you know the. 
Texans, not quite sure what they're doing, but they're really trying to get back to respectability and stabilize that quarterback position. Uh, the quarterback last year, I, I don't know. They, they, t- they tend to really have an issue with quarterbacks. Now, how good is Stroud going to be? You have to have playmakers to be good. So we're going to see what Houston does to shore up everything around Stroud. Now, you know, he was a finalist in 2021 and 22 for the Heisman Trophy. He uh, threw for over 8,000 yards, 85 touchdowns, along with 12 interceptions. Can he be a top-tier playmaker? I don't know. We're going to see. Third pick of the draft went to the Houston Texans again. They got it from Arizona. They took a linebacker, Will Anderson. So the Texans defense was ranked 27th in points allowed and 30th in total defense. So any pick on the defensive side is going to help. I just don't know how it helps the aforementioned pick of C.J. Stroud as your quarterback. So I'm not quite sure the thinking there, but if you're the Texans, Talent helps both sides of the ball. The fourth pick was interesting to me. The Gators quarterback, Anthony Richardson, went as the fourth pick. So the the Colts had been lingering problems with the quarterback, you know, whether it be Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Jacoby Brissett. I don't think they've had a good uh, quarterback back there since, um, what was his name? Um... Oh, they drafted, um, I can't even think of his name right now, but I will think of it, Luck, Andrew Luck, since Luck. So anyway, but Richardson's a good fit, I think, for the first-year coach there, Shane Stetson. So we're going to see what happens with him, how quickly can he develop. He started 13 games at Florida. He's a Ross prospect, raw talent, very strong individual. Let's see what he can do when he has to, when he's playing against some uh, D-backs and some middle linebackers that uh, are going to be as fast, if not faster, and just as strong. So the number five pick, Seattle Seahawks, they drafted Devon Witherspoon. He was a cornerback out of Illinois. The question there is, should the Seahawks have taken Jalen Carter or Tyree Wilson? Eagles got Carter a little bit later on, but uh, not quite sure what Seattle was doing that. Uh, You have Tariq Woolen coming off a Pro Bowl rookie season, and now they have a good tandem with the two of them, with Weatherspoon and him. So we'll see how that shakes out for them. The sixth pick went to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, They got that pick from the Rams. He's the kind of offensive lineman that is going to play for them right away. He played left tackle left last season, um, but he was a guard prior to that at Ohio State. So the only question is, what side is he going to play on? He's very versatile. So overall, I think that was a good pick for Arizona. The Raiders had the seventh pick. They chose Tyree Wilson, the defensive end from Texas Tech. Uh, I think when you have the pass rush now with him, Max Crosby, now now you have Chandler Jones on the edge. It's going to help. Coach Josh McDaniels wants to build the defense. I think that's a good way of doing it. The eighth 
pick went to the Atlanta Falcons. They took Texas running back Bijan Robinson. Um, there aren't too many questions. He's a he's a clear high level prospect and probably one of the safest players in the draft, in my opinion. Uh, he can catch the ball out of the backfield, and he's going to probably be the eventual replacement for Cordell Patterson there and. Um, pretty good one-two punch. The Eagles, we mentioned earlier, they did pick Jalen Carter. Um, I, I think he was one of the top prospects in all the golf, and on all the draft. He slipped because of a couple off-field concerns, but uh, All-American honors. So you put him with Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, and it's just going to strengthen the Eagles. So I think it's a good job for them. The Bears, they took Darnell Wright, the tackle from Tennessee. Um, they're going to build around Justin Fields. Now, Fields was sacked, I think, 55 or so times last season, and they need someone to basically protect him. And that was their thinking in that one, so I think that was a pretty good pick for them. Um, you know, it goes on and on, but I want to talk a little bit about the pick that um, the Buccaneers had. The, the Buccaneers had the... Let's see. The 17th pick was uh, them. We had the eight, 19th pick. We took Kalija Kansi from Pittsburgh. He's a defensive end. Why did we take him? Well, if you remember, we did not sign Akeem Hicks in free agency. So... This kid here, Kansi, has drawn comparisons to Aaron Darnold. Uh, by the way, he's, Aaron Darnold is someone that the Bucks could have taken, but instead they chose Mike Evans. So can't blame that pick. Mike Evans definitely um, someone that we wanted on that team back then, and we still do. But nonetheless, so we, we took... Kalijah Kansi, he's got some awesome speed, very explosive, and I think that's someone that we need to be able to come off the side there and rush. Uh, we did leave Anton Harrison on the table there. We didn't take him. He was a left tackle that could have helped the team. Will Levy's the quarterback. Hendon Hooker, another quarterback. Those are two that we did not um, decide to go with. Instead, we did go with a like I mentioned, a defensive end. Uh, so you have him with Vita Vea there. Let's see what happens. Um, I know that Kansi did have a shoulder injury at the final two games of his career there at Pitt, but um, he should be okay. So overall, I'm okay with the pick. Let's see what happens as the season goes on, and let's see what the Bucks do in the um, second and third day here. Questions, if you want to email me about your thoughts on the draft on why the Bucks or anyone else if your team is not the Bucks, that's fine who did they pick in the draft are you happy with the pick if so why if not why we'll be right back to keep the show going you are in the gymnasium on Power 90.1 do you want to save money on your next flight then pick up the phone and call that's right call because the best prices are not online they're with SmartFares. They have access to great prices and discounts at over 500 different airlines, plus 300,000 hotels and rental car companies. 800-331-3981. 800-331-3981. 800-331-3981. That's 800-331-3981. Now. Now. 
Back to the show. Back to the Jimmy B Sports Show on Power 90.1. Sports fans, as we get into the weekend, the Rays 21-5 coming into the weekend series against the White Sox. We did win on Thursday night. This team, the last 10 games, 7-3. and three. I'll tell you what, though. That American League East division is the toughest one in all of baseball right now. If you look at the teams, the wins and losses of all the teams involved. Last place team in that division are the Red Sox at 13 and 13 playing 500 ball. Then you had the Yankees at 15 and 11. Toronto 16 and 9. Baltimore at 17 and 8. So for as well as we're playing, we're only three and a half games ahead of Baltimore right now, which is unbelievable. Uh, as far as runs scored and runs against, the Rays are still leading by many. We're 171 runs scored going into the weekend play, and we only gave up 75. That's leading all of Major League Baseball in both of those categories. So, if you look at what the Rays have done, yeah, I guess we lost a couple games at home when we played Houston this past week, but you know, Houston is a very good team, and that's to be expected. So, I think that if you look at our season so far, uh, when you look at what we've done, plus 96 run differential is outstanding, and you don't see that. I don't remember the last time I saw that with a team at all in the last 20, 25 years. So as we get ready to play the White Sox this weekend, you know we have some team leaders. I want to just mention quickly, Randy Rosarina is still batting th- over 300, 323, slugging percentage of 542. A 400 on base percentage. He's got 24 RBIs. He's just on fire. And he's someone that, you know, you want these guys to be able to stay hot and stay healthy the whole season. But more importantly, it would be nice to just have them, you know, spread out a little bit and not all get hot at the same time. Because if you look, and, you know, you knew this was coming. We talked about it last week on the show. We went two games without scoring any runs. And those are the two losses to Houston, obviously. You don't win many games scoring zero runs. We lost 5 nothing in the second game against Houston, and we lost one nothing in the uh, third and final game against Houston. So those are the games. Those are the ones that we had to save some of these 14 runs that we scored on Thursday night and spread those out so that we don't have those one nothing defeats, which just makes you shake your head sometimes. But, no, Yandy Diaz, seven home runs already. When you look at the lineup, that we have, and you're an opposing pitcher, and you go out there and you see Franco, Rosarina, Diaz, Paredes, Brandon Lowe, Josh Lowe, Harold Ramirez, um, Margot, Luke Rayleigh, Taylor Walls, Bethancourt, Mejia, you know, that's one heck of a, of a lineup that you're looking at. Yandy Diaz, 407 on base slugging percentage right now. So, Look at the long ball that we have. Brandon Lau's seven home runs already. Uh, Luke Rayleigh has has five. Margot has six uh, RBIs. Randy, like he mentioned, has 24. You have Yandy with 16. Paredes with 17. Lowe with 18. 
Josh Lowe is 17. So we're getting some good all-around performance on the offensive side of the ball. And then if you look at what we're doing on the defensive side of the ball, you're seeing this team, no matter who they have out there, you're seeing them play some good defense, which has been the cornerstone. Let's face it, defense and pitching has been what has built the Rays and allowed them to get to the playoffs as many times in a row as we have. You look at McClanahan, it's only, it's still April. It's still April. He has five wins already. Uh, he has got 2.12 ERA. He's got 42 strikeouts. That's amazing. Uh, one of the top pitchers again in the league. He's 34 uh, innings so far. Rasmussen, 27 innings pitched. Uh, he has three wins. Springs, two wins before he got hurt. Eflin is back now with three wins. Taj Bradley, three wins. Kevin Kelly with two wins. So this team is doing what it needs to do so far. Obviously, when your record is what it is, uh, you really can't complain about anything that the Rays are doing on the field, or you can't complain about anything that Kevin Cash is doing. Uh, you know, you have the, the, the pitching staff. We're, we're strong in the mid-inning relief. We're strong closing. And pretty much we've had the lead in so many games that you really don't need to worry about too much at this point. Will it keep on going that way? Obviously not. We're going to have our ups and downs like every other team will have it. In baseball and any other sport, the ebbs and flows of the season stave off any injuries that, that may occur. Hopefully nothing too major and just keep rolling with it. It's good to see fans at the stadium. Maybe not as many as there were in the first week or two weeks, but there's still a lot more than there have been. They've had some good promotions. And I think that for the most part, um, fans have to be happy with what they're seeing right now on the field. Your thoughts, 877-448-7901. If you want to go to sports at Power901 and shoot me an email, be happy to get the email read on the show. Again, guys, unfortunately, that's all the time that we have. The show goes by way too quickly. Thank you for all the support. The show has grown tremendously, especially in the last four or five months, thanks to our sponsors and the uh, feedback that I'm getting, whether it be uh, emails or people that I'm meeting. Uh, saw someone that said, listen, I hear you show every every week at the store the other day and appreciate what you're doing. And, you know, you throw out some important facts and, you know, we take it from there and, and break it down. But that, that's really made my day. And I want to thank everyone for that. Have a great weekend. As always, stay vigilant, stay safe, and, of course, stay positive. Let's hope that the, let's hope that the Bolts tonight can go out there, play the same way we played in Game 5, not take any stupid penalties. Vasilevsky can stand on his head again. And we go up to Toronto Game 7 on Monday night. Take care, fans. Have a great weekend. Talk to you next weekend in the gymnasium.